Good morning. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church. We're glad you're here today. If you're watching on live stream, we're equally as glad that you are tuned in. We want to just let you know about a few things that are going on. This church is a pretty busy church. We have a lot of things that we get involved in. Um, So first off, if you just came in, we do take communion later. If you haven't had a chance to grab that, feel free to get up at any time. It's kind of located along that information bar in the back. Feel free to grab communion. Um, Also in the seat in front of you down low, there is a connect card. Um, You can grab that, scan the QR code. That takes you directly to our website, and that just helps if you bookmark that on your phone. Helps keep you in the know, kind of things that are happening. Uh, for events and ways to connect. There's also ways to give there. Um, But also, if you're new today and you want to fill that out and leave it in the back um, on that information bar, we'd love to know that you were here visiting with us today. Um, Just two uh, quick thank yous. Thank you for everybody who brought a coat for the coat drive. Um, The women's ministry will be around after church kind of sorting through that and getting it to the right people. And you brought in a lot of coats. So thank you so much for that generosity um, and for doing that. And then also thanks to everybody who stuck around that week and help decorate for Christmas. It looks amazing. Natalie Crow in the back here on the uh, keys, she kind of spearheaded all of that. And I know Debbie Jackson was instrumental in that as well. So thank you, ladies. And then thanks to everybody who stuck around to make our church look so beautiful. Um, want to let you know that on December 3rd, the ladies are having a cookie exchange. And if you want to be part of that, there is information, again, along the back at the information bar. You can uh, take a peek at that and find out. But it is at 10 a.m. right here um, at, the, at the church, but not in this building. It's at the Student Center which is the building next to us and uh, be a part of that all the details again in the back and then just three really quick save the dates things that are coming up a few weeks from now first on December 14th which is a Wednesday night it is our annual Christmas party we want you to come to that and the encouragement is this is a great event to bring somebody with you a co-worker a neighbor it's just high energy a lot of fun and super casual Um, so this is a perfect time to kind of plant the seed be bold invite somebody to come with you and maybe just maybe they'll want to come back uh, for a Christmas Eve service so make uh, save the date 12 14 Christmas party also save the date for 1218. This is a parent's night out and we're saying ages three and up. So from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. if you are a parent of a kiddo ages three and up or if you're grandparents and you have your grandkids that day, you can drop them off right here at the church. In the student center, the older kids will be um, up there. And if you have a baby that you want to bring, just let our children's pastor, Kristen, know that you're going to have a baby so we can have extra care for the babies. But this is a great opportunity. Maybe you just need to go grab some dinner. Uh, maybe you need to do some Christmas shopping. So we'll have an entire team of people here to safely take care of your kiddos. And we would love them to be here for that. Last is Christmas Eve service, obviously on the 24th. And our services are at 3.30 and 5, identical services. Again, invite somebody to the Christmas party, bring them back on Christmas Eve, all right? We do want to just highlight some ways to give here at the church. You can, again, scan that QR code, give it the website. You can write a check, leave it in the back. Um, You can go online. There's a multitude of ways to do that, okay? Again, thanks for being here. If you would stand up, we're going to start our morning with worship, which we always do here. It's a way for us to just kind of take a moment, connect with God, and let him know that we are here to honor, to serve him, to worship him for all he does. I'd like to pray us into worship, and then the band will take over, okay? Father God, just a good morning and thank you so much for an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. And that's an opportunity to to, to freely stand here and sing songs and hear your word um, that pull us into a better understanding of who you are. 
you know, our message time and our music time, it's just not time fillers. Those are ways that we abandon ourselves and we sing to you and we learn about you. And that's how we worship you. So thank you for the freedom that we have to do that this morning. And I pray that we are all here present with open minds and open hearts to hear from you. And thank you for being an incredible God. And thank you for loving us so relentlessly. Be with us as we praise you this morning and learn about you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this out together this morning.
Christmas season, I feel like this song is just so, so perfect as it calls us to turn our eyes on Jesus. And so I, as we sing this, I pray that, and I ask that you would just fix your eyes on him, not for just, just this song, but as we head into this season, we would see Jesus and experience the light and life that he brings. Let's sing this out together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Turn your eyes to the hills. 
haven't already, I uh, just want to invite you to grab communion in the back if you forgot, because we're going to head into a time of communion right now. And uh, I just want to, to pause for a moment. It's always before we take communion, because it's, it's not something to just be taken, to, taken lightly. Because it's Jesus' death, which I think that's a pretty big deal. The, the glory of God bigness of God and yet he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross and the reason behind all that and I just it's such a such a time to reflect such a time to give thanks this time of year and man I can't think of something to something better to give thanks for I really can't anything better than the life that Christ brings that well the, the washing that he brings through his death but the life that he brings through his resurrection we sang about that as well um, the fact that he would come down to earth for all that. So as we head into this time of communion, I um, just pray that you would reflect on that and really just align yourself with God. I mean, we're going to sing one more song after communion and it, I think it really talks about, Cody's going to talk about this now, wrestling with who God is and who we are. If you really think about it, we are nothing. Who are we that God would send his son and love us so much to die on the cross for our sins. So would you go ahead and take communion together right now? God, thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for considering us when you did that. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.
Because of what I've done But because of who you are
give a thank you to the worship team here, to all of Creative Arts. And you know, what I like, I really love about our, our Creative Arts team is not only just their gifts and abilities, but their heart. And I really appreciate that about each and every one of them. <clears throat> Good morning. Happy post-Thanksgiving. I'm sure that you all have uh, processed all your food and you've already worked it all off, off all the pounds, right? You're ready for this Christmas season to, to kick in. Um, my name is Cody, and I'm the student pastor here at Southwoods, and I am very thankful and grateful to be able to speak with you this morning. And today I'm going to be speaking about wrestling with God, wrestling with God. Earlier this year, I preached a message on, um, on running the race, and I dressed up in my warm-up gear. So I decided to be nice and spare you the visual of me wearing a wrestling singlet today. So now you have something to add to your Thanksgiving list here. Uh, I'd like to start off, let's just pray, please. Dear Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. And I pray that you guide my words, uh, guide the things that I'm, I'm to say, because Lord, I, you place it upon my heart that there's at least one, if not multiple people who really need to hear this message today. So Lord, guide my words, let the Holy Spirit do his work and work in each inside every one of us, because we all we all continue to wrestle with God in some way or another. And Lord, I pray that we continue to cling to you and to trust you and to grow in the midst of the wrestling. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in middle school, I was a wrestler. All the boy students had to go and do uh, four, all four of the main sports that my school provided in middle school. We were a small school, so we'd start off with football and then we went to basketball, I think, and then we went to wrestling, and then we finished with track. It was like our PE curriculum that we, that we had. And uh, we would meet and compete with other students in, in other schools in our, in our conference, yeah, meets and tournaments. And the pinnacle of my wrestling career came in seventh grade. I was, it was at our conference meet, and I was wrestling against the top-ranked wrestler in my weight division. I don't remember, I think he was maybe undefeated, but I'm not sure, but he was beating me pretty handily. It was like 9-1, 9-2, something like that. And he had me from behind. He had me around the waist. And he was just about ready to throw me. He was just gonna toss me back and, and get me down. When, uh, I don't know, it was just lucky, but I decided to kind of push off in that moment. And he lost his footing and I came down on his stomach, lost his breath, and with my my whole team cheering me on, I rallied back, of course, with him half debilitated there, <laughs> and I won the match as time went out. Maybe some of you have some memories, some wrestling memories. Maybe you've, done, you've been a part of some wrestling matches before. Honestly, I was probably average at best in wrestling, and I really honestly didn't enjoy it all that much. But I did learn a few things about wrestling, and I actually learned quite a few things about myself. Like I said, some of you may have wrestling backgrounds, but my guess is that most of you do not. However, I'm guessing that everyone in this room has wrestled before. Maybe not physically against someone, but likely you have wrestled against someone relationally, mentally, emotionally, or even spiritually. Today we're going to be reading about Jacob. Jacob was a wrestler by nature. Jacob was who, what we consider a master manipulator. 
In fact, his name literally means grabber. He was born grabbing the heel of his older brother and twin brother Esau. His whole life was manipulating his circumstances to be able to have the life that he wanted. He stole the birthright and the blessing from his, uh, of the firstborn from his brother Esau. And after fleeing from Canaan, because his brother was really, really mad at him, he, be, he lived with his uncle Laban. And Laban, apparently this is a family trait because Laban uh, employed the same scheming and manipulating uh, tactics when it came to Jacob, tricking Jacob into servitude for extra years, trying to steal all of his flocks and his herds. However, God blessed Jacob tremendously in spite of all this. Jacob's whole life had been focused on outsmarting other people, trying to take what was theirs and trying to defend what was his. Now Jacob is at the moment where he seems to be at a crossroads. God has told Jacob to leave his uncle Laban. So out of fear in the middle of the night, he wakes his whole family up. He, he gets all their belongings and, and, and his servants, and he leaves the camp of Laban while Laban is away. And not only did God call him to leave his uncle Laban, but he told Jacob to go back into the land of his father, Isaac. That means now he's going to have to go back and deal with his brother Esau, who last he had seen was so angry that he had vowed to kill Jacob. Jacob was fearful of his brother Esau, and now he has heard that his brother is actually knows he's coming, and he's coming with his own 400 men. Jacob is terrified. Jacob decides to send ahead three caravans trying to appease Esau. He's hoping that he can mitigate his anger. I don't know if any of you have ever employed that tactic before, sending ahead some gifts to try to mitigate somebody's anger. So now it's the night before he is to meet up with Esau and his men, and Jacob is petrified. He sends his family, his belongings, his servants, and everyone back across the river behind him to buffer them from Esau's anger. But Jacob comes back across the river after taking them over. He comes back across the river to prepare to confront with Esau. So here we find Jacob. Jacob is a crisis of faith. He's terrified and he's all alone. He is a man without a home. He is, he has a, his life of manipulation has caught up with him. He has this huge family and this big business, a young family, and they all depend upon him. He knows that God has told him to go back to, to this land. He knows that God has proven himself multiple times, but now his older brother, with whom he has been estranged with, for 20 years, and, is, and he's cheated severely, is coming at him with 400 men and his warriors. In Jacob's mind, everything seems to be collapsing around him. Jacob is in a crisis of faith. My guess is that all of you have been in, you can relate to Jacob in some way or another. Maybe you're a person who grew up in a Christian household. Your parents were strong believers, but now you find yourself facing questions that, that you've never dealt with before. What if, what if your parents and everyone else was wrong? Maybe you're someone like Jacob who's been manipulating your, your whole life to try to, to try to get the outcome that you want, that, that you desire. That you, you have everything that you have planned and you, you worked the system, you've climbed the ladder. You feel like you're getting to where you want, but then all of a sudden it begins to crash down. Maybe you've been a believer for years. You've always, you've always believed God was with you and you've even felt his presence. But you never expected this. 
this has you at a crossroads. Your job is in jeopardy. Your family is in tatters. Your health is in question. Your child is barely hanging on. You're financially ruined. You name it. All of a sudden, things seem against you. And you begin to ask all these important faith questions. These are the questions that our souls need answers for. God, are you real? Can I trust you? Who are you really? Do you love me? Who am I? What do you want from me? And before we, you realize it, you're up all night wrestling with God. These were maybe some of the questions that Jacob was asking as, as well. We don't really know for sure. All we can assume here fully is that he was afraid and alone. And that's when one of the weirdest stories in the Bible happens. We're going to be looking at Genesis 32, 24 through 31. You can turn to that if you want really quickly. It'll also be on the screen. And here's what it says. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Remember, he's gone back across the river. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Okay, wait, wait, wait for a second here. Is it, is it just me or is that a lot of odd that just happened in one sentence there? I mean, there's apparently there's a man who's just been wandering around looking for a wrestling match. And he just finds Jacob and decides to throw it down, Right? Obviously, this seems very odd, but we'll find out that there's a purpose in all of this. So let's keep reading. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. So let's... Uh, We've been reading through this Torah Bible reading plan, and we went through this a little bit ago, and, and I was just processing the application of this passage. Uh, and it's very interesting. I think that there's a lot of things that we can get from this passage that are very similar in, in ways that we wrestle with God and how God can answer some of our deepest questions and needs. So that's what we're going to be talking about is wrestling with God, answering our deepest questions, questions our soul asks when we wrestle with God. So let's break down this passage. Here's the first question that I think that we wrestle with in these times of, of crisis, these faith crises where we wrestle with God. And the first one is, God, are you real? God, are you real? Jacob wrestled with God all night long. For those who have wrestled, that is very impressive. I've wrestled with an infant all night who's sick or something, and that was wearing enough. I can't imagine physically wrestling with God all night. And although we, we may not rest, physically wrestle with God all night, we, many of us have stayed up all night before wrestling with God, haven't we? Something happens and we're left wrestling with the biggest questions of our life. Wrestling through these questions with God is not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's actually a good thing. 
God welcomes your questions. But not all questions are the same, are they? Not all questions are meant for the purpose of clarity. Some questions we give to God are intended as a way to avoid truly wrestling with God. They are not meant to have, have to deal with, they are meant to not have to deal with the deepest questions of our soul. They are meant to try to count God out before the match begins. There are some of you in this room who are questioning God. You're distantly skeptical. You mentally can't get your head around certain aspects. And there are many big questions that we must wrestle through with God. I am not criticizing that. And yet, for some of you who are mentally questioning things, even though you may still have questions, I believe that in the end, that's a cop-out. Everyone in this room likely has questions, and in some, of, some of these questions honestly are never going to be answered this side of heaven. But the issue some of us deal with is not in asking the questions, but not in asking the deepest, real, authentic, important questions that our souls crave. They are the questions that our souls ask and, and not the ones that our heads ask necessarily. God wants you to stop mentally analyzing everything from a distance. Instead, he wants you to get on the wrestling floor and have it out with him. He wants you to bring all your questions, all your struggles, all your beliefs and arguments and frustrations to him. Stop analyzing him from a distance. Because in the end, I believe the battle is less in our minds than in our hearts. If we aren't really willing to, if we're not willing to get intimate with God with our questions and get our hands dirty, then we aren't really wrestling with truth and reality. You may just be wrestling with figments of your imagination, of who you think God is. It's like the difference between watching a YouTube video on flying a plane and actually getting in the cockpit. It's a lot of difference, right? You watch a YouTube video, you could get a little bit of an idea, but may not save you. Probably won't. There's a big difference there. You can study your opponent as much as you want, but at some point you have to line up against them and go at it. Why? Because you don't really know what's true about your opponent or honestly even yourself until you put it to the real test. 20 years earlier when Jacob was fleeing away from his brother Esau in his anger, God meets with Jacob in a dream. God reveals himself to Jacob and he tells Jacob that he is the God of his ancestors, Abraham and Isaac. He reconfirms Abraham's blessing on Jacob and tells Jacob, here's what God says, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And, what, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back into this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Sounds very similar to what God said to Abraham, didn't it? isn't it? Here's what I love about this passage that rings true to all of us. God had made a covenant to Abraham and Isaac, Jacob's father and his grandfather. But just like each of us, we have to make our faith real to ourselves at some point. We have to go from our family's faith to our own. And 20 years previous here, God reveals himself to Jacob and reconfirms his promise and his covenant to this new generation, to Jacob. And what's Jacob's response? 
Here's what he says. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. In other words, Jacob is entertaining God's plan, right? He's sparring with him. He's mentally wrestling with it, as long as it works out for him. Remember that Jacob is a schemer and a manipulator. He's saying here, if. If God does all these things, then I will let him be my God. It's a pretty self-focused way of responding to this dream from God, isn't it? Have you guys ever had these if conversations with God? I'm guessing you have. God, if you do this, if you give me this job, if you give me this spouse, if you give me this house, if you give me this life, then I will follow you. And for any of you who have had those conversations with God and he gave you what you asked for, how many of you followed through on your end of the deal? My guess is, is that not a lot of us have done our end of the deal. And that's the way we see really here with Jacob. It's 20 years later, God has been fulfilling his end of the bargain. He has blessed Jacob tremendously. He has watched over and guided Jacob. And now he is bringing Jacob back into the land of his father. God has done everything he has promised, but Jacob is afraid and feels all alone. But he's never been all alone. And God is going to prove this to Jacob in a very real way. And on the night before Jacob has, confront, has his confrontation with Esau, God decides to proactively take Jacob to the mat and force Jacob to go from sparring or mentally wrestling to actually wrestling. He's making Jacob go from the passive faith of his youth into a real tough, rough and tumble, all out wrestling with God. And just like he does many times, God uses one of Jacob's lowest moments to initiate it. This may seem very super odd or random, and yet the same scene plays out for almost all of us, doesn't it? At some point in our lives, we feel utterly alone and afraid, and we begin to finally start asking God the big, real questions. And usually, here's the first question. God, are you real? Are you real? Have you ever wondered why when we really begin to intensely wrestle with God, usually this is the first question that we always ask. God, are you real? You see, even deep down in our souls, we know one thing for sure. If we don't answer this question, no other question we can ask matters. If God is not real, and then nothing has any meaning. If God is not real, then there's no purpose. If God is not real, then our questions, any of our questions have no real answers. That's why the first question our souls must answer is, God, are you real or God, are you there? We don't know for sure if Jacob asked this question, but we do know that God, that God showed up seemingly to prove himself to Jacob. It, it doesn't say in the beginning here that this is God. In fact, it says it's a man. But we do see some very clear indicators of who this is. It's, a, it's human with human-like limitations, and yet, seemingly, he has supernatural powers. He wrenches Jacob's hip out with just a touch. That's a very supernatural type of thing. And he has the power to bless Jacob and give him a new name. Jacob himself became convinced this was God. And I personally believe that there's a very good chance this is the pre-incarnate Jesus. 
these details, just like Jacob believed that this was God, I believe this was God himself as well. Do you think God could have shown up in a dream like he had previously to Jacob face to face? Of course he could have, right? But why did God choose to to wrestle with Jacob? You see, when you wrestle with someone, you can't avoid the fact that they are real. Jacob didn't need a pep talk and to, to tell him everything was okay. God did that 20 years before. Jacob needs to know God is real. And God needs Jacob to put on his big boy faith pants. So God shows up. God frequently does this. He may not answer your questions with words, but instead with his presence. There may be some of you listening right now who are angry at God and struggle to believe he is real. And I want you to know that is okay. Jacob struggled too. God invites you to wrestle with him, but he does it so that you can know that he is real. Don't avoid that. God wrestles with us for so much more than that. God wants us to find reality so that for so much more of our deep questions. And here's number two. Don't worry, it'll get a little faster here on my points. The second one, God, can I trust you? God, can I trust you? I find it very interesting that they wrestle all night and neither one of them ends up winning. Do you think that God could have won this match with both hands and feet tied behind his back? I mean, he could have done this no problem. God could have easily done more than just crippled Jacob. He could have taken his life. But why didn't he? Is it possible that God's whole purpose with wrestling with us is not to win? Or at least, I mean, if the point of winning is to defeat the opponent. Just like point one, I believe that, that part of God's purpose in wrestling with us is to draw close more than winning, but I also believe that it is a chance for him to show his mercy and his goodness. When we realize that we can draw close to God and experience mercy in the midst of our struggles, it answers one more of the deepest questions that our souls have. God, can I trust you? Are you good? God, you are so huge and you are so awesome. Can I trust you? Is it possible that God's purpose of wrestling with us has nothing to do with winning, but instead to draw close to us and help us process our fears and our struggles? It helps us deal with our trust issues. One of the things my kids most enjoy is wrestling with me. They like to be challenged. We get down on the floor and they start, you know, hopping on me. And before long, I'm, you know, I got them down and I'm wrestling with them. And it's interesting because there's actually a moment that happens, a couple moments. There's one where possibly they get a little bit afraid of what I can do. You ever, have you ever wrestled your kids and like you, you kind of toss them in a certain way and they're like, whoa. And, or, you know, you're doing a tickle thing and they can't get out of it. And they're just like, wow, my dad's stronger than I thought he was. And the interesting thing that happens with that is it both, there's maybe a, a little bit of being scared for a moment, but then I, I think that we also find comfort in that as well, realizing the, the strength that our father has, but realizing what, not only what he's capable of doing, but what he chooses to, how, how to restrain that power in regards to us. It's like knowing the difference between what, I'm, what somebody's capable of doing and what they actually do. When we wrestle with God and we realize the great difference between what God is capable of doing 
and what God chooses to do with us, it should show us how good of a father he is and how much we can trust him. He uses his power at our defense instead of at our expense. You see, throughout all scripture, God is righteous and holy and sin must be dealt with with wrath. But because God is good and a trustworthy God, he, throughout history, shows great patience and mercy when dealing with us. But when we experience this through our wrestling with God, that's how we experience this goodness. We cannot experience this truth unless we encounter him face to, excuse me, face to face and deal with our own trust issues. God here is literally wrestling with Jacob. God's not, not one to be tamed by human hands. He's never safe according to our standards because he doesn't work in the ways that we think. He makes us deal with the things that we don't want to deal with, the things that aren't comfortable, the things that we don't want to confront. However, he is very good. He walks through it all of it with us, hand in hand, and with us, and he actually goes before us against our enemies. And upon that, we can always trust him. For God is for us, and he is with us. And when we realize the difference between what God could do, death, and what, what God offers us, mercy and grace, it should help us understand how good God truly is. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Why does God invite us to wrestle with him? Because it allows us to explore his goodness of who he truly is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can be trusted. And once we know God can be trusted, then we can begin to ask some more of our deepest questions. And here's the third one. God, who are you? Who are you? As Jacob and God wrestle, God wrenches Jacob's hip out of socket. Considering that this is an unhuman ability, my guess is that maybe this is the moment that Jacob realizes this is God. This is the moment that he realizes what God could have done to him if he chose. And the amazing thing about anyone who has truly spent time struggling with God about the hardest things in life is they frequently look back at these moments actually with affection, even in the midst of struggle. Because it is in these moments when we begin to let the veneer of our faith be pulled off and we begin to wrestle with who God truly is. Sometimes our memories of this struggle are almost like remembering a first encounter. You know, the, when you reflect back on those first encounters you had with someone who truly impacted you, it's kind of like that. Like for the first time you saw God for who he truly is or more clearly and you may not have enjoyed the process, but you sure wouldn't take it back for anything. It is in these moments that we choose to stop diverting our eyes and see God face to face for who he truly is. And one thing is for certain, for better or worse, our walk will change. I have heard so many dramatic faith-changing stories. I have heard people who have... Uh, have been close to death, but they are saved by some mysterious force, and they, they knew it was God. I've talked to people with incurable cancer, and they had people pray, and, and, and they were healed. However, I've also talked to people who have not been healed, and yet that moment of wrestling with that changed, it changed their life, because they know even though God didn't change their circumstances in that moment, 
he still had the power to defeat death. For all, they have had to wrestle with the reality of who God is. We must wrestle with who God is. It is in the wrestling that our lives are changed. We are forced to deal with reality and and eternity and all the other things that we're scared to confront. And you have to ask the question, God, who are you? Are you really the God of the Bible? Are you really the God who people say you are? Are you the God who you say you are? We We have to accept him for all that he is, or we have to reject him for all that he is. There is no middle ground. It is in the confrontation that God is willing to force because he wants you to know him as the real God. In fact, we must continually wrestle with God in some ways to continue to get a more accurate picture of who he is. There is a conversion, dare I say, a transformation that happens in this moment. We change from one person to another person because of our encounter or encounters with God. We change from who we were to who we are in him. Why isn't God afraid of wrestling with us? Because when we wrestle with God, we are forced to deal with the truth of who he is and either accept him or reject him. You can't know who God is unless you choose to look upon his face and wrestle with his truth claims. Here's the fourth question. Who am I? There's another side of the same coin of looking God face to face. And the other side of this coin is that there's another pair of eyes looking back at us, right? We may think that we're wrestling with God, and and I'm sure we are, but also some of the time, the reality is that many times we're really wrestling with ourselves. Many of us don't want to wrestle with God because we don't want him to see us for who we are. Jacob, his name means he grabs the heel or he deceives or manipulates. And most of us don't want to wrestle with God because we don't want to deal with, um, with God out of, we don't want to deal with ourselves, our own reality of who we know we are. Every one of us is afraid for, for people and for God to see us for who we truly are. We are just like Jacob and we feel afraid and alone. And when we wrestle with God and see and accept God for who he truly is, it then forces us to deal with our own sinfulness and our own shortcomings. Uh, do, you know, do you realize how much of a failure I am? How often I fall short? I'm embarrassed at how I live my life. I'm embarrassed at how, how often I put too many things ahead of you. I don't trust you enough. On and on, we can detail these shortcomings out in our lives. And what is God's response in this? God sees us for all that we are, all those things, and instead of destroying us, he changes our name. For Jacob, his, his name changes. God changes his name to Israel, which means wrestles with God. With Jacob, his name change became the new name of all of God's followers. God changes the imperfect, manipulative person, Jacob, into Israel, the people for whom God loves and gives himself for. For us, this encounter with God has the power to change our lives as well, our names, to child, beloved one, heir of the king, Christ follower. Just like Jacob, this name change has the power to impact generations that follow you. Why isn't God afraid of you to wrestle with him? 
Wrestling with God makes us honest with our own limitations, our sin, our humanity. It makes us realize our need for him. And it is in the wrestling with him, with God, that we are humbled and purified as we see who we are in the light of God's majesty. It is where we are whittled down and refined into a better version of ourselves. Here's the fifth question. Do you love me or do you want me? Isn't this the desire of every child? Every child wants to have the approval of their parents. They want to know that their parents want them and cherish them. They, want, they each want the blessing of acceptance from their parents. Do you ever notice that Jacob always seems to be wanting the blessing? He wants it so bad that he steals it from his brother Esau. He wants the blessing of his father. Here, when Jacob is asking for a blessing from God, he is asking if God accepts him. One aspect of our wrestling with God is to ask the question of a child. Dad, do you love me? Do you want me? Do I have your blessing? See, Jacob was wrestling with God in two ways. Up until now, he's been wrestling to not be overcome. It's a wrestling match where he's, in a sense, defending himself. But now he's done defending himself. Now Jacob is wrestling to receive a blessing. And Jacob feels safe enough to ask this bold question, please give me a blessing. Jacob has wrestled all night. He is, his leg has been wrenched out of socket, but Jacob doesn't let go. Jacob continues to wrestle with God. He wants God's blessing. God wants people like Jacob. He wants people who are willing to wrestle with him and not let go. So many people will engage with God, but when things don't go the way that they want or that they expect, they will let go and fall away. God wants us to learn to wrestle with him and instead of relying on our own understanding and our own strength, to learn to keep holding on to God. It is people who, don't, who do this that find the ultimate blessing that God wants to give us. It is those who continue to cling to God in the midst of all these struggles and all the fear and anxiety and loneliness who find the, deep, the blessing of a deep and genuine faith. And what is God's response to Jacob's request for a blessing? He asks for Jesus, or Jacob's name. This may sound small or odd or any of that stuff, but especially for someone who's been wrestling with him all night. However, God is actually giving Jacob the biggest blessing any of us can have, can be given, to be known by God. God is a good father and he enjoys giving each and every one of us blessings. However, there are some of the deepest blessings that can only be found to those who continue to cling to God and are bold enough to ask for a blessing. He wants to know who Jacob is. Do you think God didn't know who Jacob was? He knew who Jacob was. But God is partially here symbolically telling Jacob that I desire to know you. I love you and I want you. For so many people in our world today, for all of us really, this is the cry of our heart. We want to know that somebody cares for us. We want to know that we matter. And, and the truth is the God of the universe knows your name and he knows everything about you. But it takes wrestling with God sometimes to believe it. 
Believe God. We need to believe that God not only wrestles with you, but he wrestles for you. God desires for you to know how much, for you to know how much he loves you and doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. He wants you. Faith is not for the faint of heart, is it? But for those who choose to fiercely cling to God, they have one of their deepest questions answered. God, do you love me? God not only wants you, he wants to know you and he wants to bless you. Here's the sixth thing. God, can I know you? God is not afraid of you wrestling with him. What he's afraid of is you not seeking him. God asks, or sorry, Jacob asks, what is your name? Who are you? We don't see any response here of, of God revealing his name to Jacob, but we see that Jacob is convinced that this is an encounter with God. God not only wants us to know, wants to know us, but he also wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to seek him and, and have that relationship. And this is another level of the blessing God wants to give us. God does not want to be distant. God wants us to know that he is close. He wants you to know that you can personally know him. He wants you to know that you can seek his face and he can be found. Here's the seventh and final question. God, what do you want from me? The last thing we see in this passage is the, what we see here is the end of this encounter. What happens? Jacob's walk is different, right? He's walking with a limp. And as I mentioned before, when we have a true encounter with God, our walk will look different. Some people may reject and deny, others may accept and be transformed. But the reality is, is that our encounter with God must have real implications in our lives. I'm sure all of you are great people here in this room. But I'm guessing if I was to talk to each and every one of you, there'd be some pretty interesting and some strong BC and AC moments. And what I mean by that is the difference between before Christ and after Christ in our lives. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. Our walks will change as a result of wrestling with God. This makes us wrestle with God with one of those last important fundamental questions in our lives. What is my purpose? What do you want from me, God? Let's go back to Jacob and see what he found out as, uh, for his purposes in his encounter with God and learn to what our purposes might be able to be. Jacob found that his purpose in this wrestling with God is to accept God for all that he is, to trust God for all that he is, to accept God's truth claims, to accept God's identity change for himself, to accept God's love, to return that love, and to walk in a way that represents this change. And what was Jacob's blessing in wrestling through these with God? Because he did receive a blessing. He got to see God face to face. His path was directed by God. He was given a new name. He was known by God. He knew God. He was granted life that he didn't deserve. And he became the patriarch of faith for all who followed him. They literally took his name upon themselves. God wants this same story for you as he does for Jacob. He wants you to find this purpose and to find the same blessings. 
And when we come face to face with our own humanity, our own sin, our own limitations, and then we choose to look into the face of God figuratively and in the midst of that reality, it humbles us. It makes us desire him. It makes us, dare I say, thankful. It gives us a heart of gratitude that is ready to receive the mercy and grace that God wants to give us. But we must continue to cling to him. And in the process, our lives are also spared. Jesus has already wrestled and defeated sin and death. Now he is willing to get onto the mat with you, with all your doubts and all your struggles and all the, and all the experiences that you've had in your life that you're wrestling with so that you can experience a full life, a life not bound by fear, but by love, a life not consumed by anxiety, but one secured in peace, a life not deterred by despair and regret, but one that is focused in joy. You get my point. He wants that for you. When we wrestle with God, whether for good or bad, our walk will change. Each of us has received a call, a call to respond to God's goodness and to give glory to the one who gives us, who sees us face to face and doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gives us what we need. You may all be wondering what happens with the rest of this story. Did Jacob go and meet Esau and get slaughtered? What happens with Jacob after this encounter? I'm happy to let you know that Jacob did not die. He, the, it, his brother did not attack or kill Jacob. In fact, they cried it out and hugged it out. God remained faithful to his promise to Jacob to watch over him. No surprise. But just as important is this part of the story. After meeting with Esau, Jacob goes to the town called Shechem in the land of Canaan. There he set up a camp outside of the town. It says Jacob bought the plot of land where he camped uh, from the family of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it says, and there he built an altar and named it El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. What does this reveal? First off, Jacob accepted his new name. But secondly, it reveals that God no longer accepted God if. Now, because of a wrestling match, Jacob, Yahweh was, God's, was Jacob's God for good. El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel. And he can be your God as well, too. Maybe you've been like Jacob and you've been trying to do things on your own way, on your own terms. God is calling you today to give up control. And wrestle with God and to find out that he is worthy of your trust. He is worthy to be your God. And today is a day that you can set up an altar in your life. An altar of change where you can look back on today and say that this is the day my life has changed. Maybe it's in baptism. Maybe it's in a rededication. Maybe it's for the first time finding someone to talk authentically through some of the struggles you're wrestling with. But today is a day you can say, El Elohe Cody, or El Elohe Greg, or El Elohe you. He is God, the God of you. And that is my prayer for you. I encourage you, if you are wrestling with God, if you need to make a decision, 
I encourage you to make today that day. We have plenty of people. Greg and Lori are here. I'm, I'll be here. There's other people you can, you can talk with as well. But I encourage you to take time today to talk to somebody. Maybe it's that decision of baptism, like I said. To put yourself in the waters and to fully give yourself over. Say, God, I don't, I'm going to continue to wrestle with some things, but I'm done wrestling with, with you for good, like for the main part. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to submit to your calling for my life. I'm going to submit to your authority. I encourage you to do that today. If you need any prayer, I'd love to pray for you. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us in spite of our own shortcomings. And Father, I pray that you guide and direct us. Lord, I thank you that you don't just give up on us, that you don't just abandon us. In fact, you'd rather wrestle with us than just outright lose us or, or anything. Lord, I pray that we, that we don't avoid that confrontation, but we deal with you. We deal with the reality of who you are because in that you want to show us your authentic self. You want to show us your love and your compassion so that we can stop fighting. We can stop fighting you. And Lord, I know that there's so many questions our mind can come up with, but Father, in the end, it's really our soul that needs the answers. And I pray that we allow our souls to seek those answers authentically and that we, our souls can find peace and joy in realizing that you are worthy to be our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Have a Merry Christmas season. <laughs>